We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live after uh, a very close win by the Los Angeles Chargers over the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, these two teams don't know how to play normal games on their own, so it's only fitting that they, when they get together, the game ends in the weirdest way possible. Uh, so we'll dive into all of it today. Uh, Tyler is here as well. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? I'm much happier than the last few times we did these recaps. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, wins do feel better than losses. It's a, it's a wasn't the easiest game to get through. It never is, but I was relieved to see that the Chargers won in the end. Yeah, one and two is certainly better than zero and three. Uh, we'll it we'll is. be happy with the win. Um, so many things to get into. Um, somehow today, like the J.C. Jackson thing, is like fifteenth on the <laughs> list of things to get into. Yeah. Um. Just it's just an incredible like game to watch, and I don't know if I would say it's like in a good way. <laughs> just like a lot of sloppy moments, you know. Fourth down discourse. We get Justin Herbert over 400 yards passing today. So many areas that we could touch on to start the game this afternoon. Um. But I think first and foremost, we we have to talk about Brandon Staley's decision to go for it on fourth and one on their own 20 was it 27 yard line 28 yard line um with less than uh two minutes remaining in the game so 
Um, Tyler, what are your thoughts here as we kind of piece through this game and, and, and zoom in on the fourth down decision first and foremost? I think when the Chargers were a yard away or whatever, I said, I, I think you know, I'm with my parents watching the game and I said, I, I think they're going to go for it. And it's kind of something that we had talked about in this game or heading into this game. Like, okay, if the defense isn't going to be any kind of X factor, if you as a head coach, Brandon Staley, like your defense is not getting it together. So what are you going to do? At least be an X factor and let the offense go for it on fourth down. And in this particular instance, I get it. Like I, I did get why they would go for it. And it turns out, I don't have the numbers in front of me exactly, um, but it was a go in that situation. And that that's going to get lost in the shuffle. And it certainly would even get more lost if the Chargers lost the game, but they won. Um, the decision itself, I get. The decision is something that I don't think I would have had the guts to go for, but I understand it. Um, I'll be honest, there's no thought in my mind that the, the Vikings would have just gone down the field and scored had they punted it. And we would have a whole different conversation about how Brandon Staley's defense is terrible and he should have gone for it. So it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. The issue there is obviously with the Joshua Kelly run and that being the choice there. Yeah. Um, now, the play probably should have worked, but Donald Parham could not get uh, in front of the guy and block him. Otherwise, it was a first down, but Donald Parham could not execute there. So unfortunately, it didn't work. The issue is looking at everything prior to that. You have 10 rushes for 11 yards for Joshua Kelly or whatever it was yeah. heading into that moment. If you ask me, hey, on fourth and one, the Chargers needing it, the Chargers decided to run with Joshua Kelly against the Vikings defense, I'd say, okay, I actually think that kind of makes sense because going into this game, the Vikings defense was so bad against the run and the Chargers, as we talked about, were second in success rate. They were first in EPA per rush. So it made so much sense in that vacuum. But until that up through the actual game, again, 10 rushes for 11 yards, it wasn't working. Now, granted, yeah. that's still a 1.1 yard average, which means you still should have gotten it, even if you were terrible. But they didn't. Um, and thankfully, the Chargers won the game. So we're not talking about this too much. So I get it. I understand yeah. it. The numbers did say go for it. I don't remember by how much. It wasn't like a super obvious one. Um, it just didn't really work out. But I, I can at least respect it. And with your season on the line and your defense playing as bad as it was, and with Derwin James out of the game at that point, and obviously Joey not being 100%, I get why you go, listen, we're just going to put it in the offense's hands. I just know that a lot of fans would have preferred it with Justin Herberts. Yeah, I, I think that's a really fair way to put that. Um, the the numbers, according to Ben Baldwin, uh, it was an easy go-for-it call, according to the analytics um, side of things, which I think is is an indication of Brandon Staley making sound decisions. So I, I don't have an issue with this from Brandon Staley. I think this is the right decision for him to get back to what he was at, in 2021, which was an aggressive, forward-thinking, analytically-driven head coach from a decision-making standpoint. And that won them a lot of games that year. Um, you can make an argument for the negative side of things, but Ben Baldwin had this as a decision that would have increased the Chargers' win probability by – a significant amount. It was uh, an 80% chance of winning if they had punted it. It was an 89.5% chance of winning if they went for it. So the winning probability was an easy go from an analytical decision. So I think when you zoom in and you talk about this kind of decision, 
there's going to be a lot of uh, narratives around the fourth down decision this week. Um, you, the Fox guys, it cuts to them right afterwards. And, and the Fox guys were not happy with Brandon Staley's decision. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and you can cite things like the Vikings didn't have any timeouts. You have a good punter. Your defense has been playing like, okay. But like mm-hmm. you said, to me, I am a fan of the decision to trust the offense because the offense is the reason that you've been in games the last three weeks. I have an issue with the play call that Kellen Moore decided to run with. Mm-hmm. It, it's a play that theoretically should work. It's a quick hitting run. Mm-hmm. The issue is that the run game was basically non-existent today. Um, yeah. you know, before that, Joshua Kelly is averaging you know one yard per carry. There were a couple carries where I felt like he was just like just like half second away from breaking loose a couple times. The offensive line was was not a super clean operation today. So to me, like I'm trusting Justin Herbert in that moment, and I'm trusting Keenan Allen, who had 18 catches for 205 yards in that game, or mm-hmm. actually it might have ended up being more than that. Um, so you have like this amazing game from Justin Herbert, an all-time performance from Keenan Allen. Like that, those are the guys that I would be trusting in that moment. Mm-hmm. Not to say that Joshua Kelly isn't uh, a good player or anything like that, but this just wasn't the moment for that play. Um, you want yeah. to do a quarterback sneak. You want to do the tush push or, or whatever we want to call it with Will Clapp whenever he comes in the game. I'm cool with that. Um, but I, I I think this is sound decision-making by Brandon Staley. The play call by Kellen Moore, I, I have an issue with. Yeah, I wonder how much what happened during this game influenced maybe what could have happened there. Um, now, this doesn't excuse the call, but at this point, Mike Williams was out of the game. And that's yeah. someone who they went to on fourth down, I believe, against the Dolphins when they did go for it on a comeback route. So, like, mm-hmm. that part of your game is out. And that's someone you go to in the situations. I'm assuming at that point then, although Vikings could not stop him, that in that situation, you're doing everything to make sure it's not Keenan Allen. So, if Keenan Allen is out there, you're trying your best to make sure it's not him. So, okay, if you if Keenan Allen's probably going to be taken out, you don't have Mike Williams. Josh Palmer has been lucky in some instances and unlucky in some do you go to him there or do you lean on Joshua Kelly for one yard? Like, I, but then it's like, okay, but could we do more than that? Can we go to Gerald Everett? Could we go to Donald Parham yeah. or something else? So I get not like, I don't think it was just as obvious as, Oh, let's give it to Herbert and give it to Keenan Allen. I don't think it would have been that easy, although it right. was throughout the right. game. Um, but again, still, I just wish there were more. And I, I think there, there is more for the chargers. I think they will learn from this. Um, I was still surprised by the outcome of the play, too. I, I really thought they could have gotten the one yard there, even if I didn't like the call. Yeah, and I would have I would have liked to see them try and get the Vikings offsides too in that instance. Like Mark Sanchez was was you know calling for in that instance. You know, we've seen that Herbert have some good luck with the with Canaan's in certain moments. So um, you know, this is a play that the charge offense will run from or will learn from, excuse me, not run from, learn from. Um, you know, Kellen Moore, I thought overall had a really smart game plan today. And I, I think in a different circumstance, the Chargers would convert for that kind of situation. So I'm hopeful that this result in more Brandon Staley aggressive decisions, because I think that is a winning edge for this team that has been missing for the past couple of seasons. So, yeah. um, any other thoughts here on the fourth down decision, Tyler? No, I think we covered it. I think we covered all aspects of it. I'm ready to talk about some anything else all right so i i wanted to talk about the fourth down decision first yeah where do you want to what what kind of uh conversation do you want to have here next 
uh, the connection between Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and how I haven't seen anything decimate the Vikings that bad since the plague. That was a fantastic <laughs> connection between the two of them to the point where you have Keenan Allen setting personal records. He's setting franchise records. You know, he's now the leading receiver in terms of wide receiver in Chargers history and receiving yards. A phenomenal day from him, um, even though he had the one offensive pass interference. Incredible day from him. Um, receiving yards a 49 yard passing touchdown yeah. i love the i don't love the screens as they're happening but i do love that there is a oh i got you in each of the last two weeks when it comes down to those plays that's yeah. been a lot of fun justin herbert had a phenomenal game and even the one bad play he had was a touchdown it was just an awesome awesome game from those two i believe justin herbert's first 400 yard game keenan out 18 catches 215 receiving yards and one pass for 49 yards and a touchdown. Herbert, 40 for 47, 405 yards and three touchdowns. It was basically perfect between those two. Yeah, I I think that the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving is probably still my favorite Keenan game. Mm. Um, but this is a very close second. Uh, you know, getting the touchdown pass, you know, getting the two small moments over and over and over again against Byron Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the offensive PI was was soft. I didn't see much there on the replay. Uh, and then Murphy decision. was talking and talking and yeah. talking after the 180th yard he gave up. Right. I mean, come on, man. right? Like he was he was complaining on every single instance that the Chargers offensive players were like pushing off and like you know he did a clamp down thing against Joshua Palmer. Like, dude, Keenan Allen's like taking your lunch money left and right. I don't know if I'd be talking that much as you are. Um, so it, it was just a great Keenan Allen game, like truly an all-time performance. I think breaks the record for receptions. Uh, I don't know if he did he break the receiving record for yards too, or just receptions? Not a single yards. Um, that was West Chandler with two sixty, but two fifteen okay. is pretty darn close, man. Yeah, that is pretty close. Um, just felt like Keenan was the answer at every single moment. Um, I saw somebody in the chat say the offense still revolves around Keenan, and, and that is very very accurate. I, I um real quickly you know wanted to go look at like where he's at right now in terms of his um stat line you know he headed into today with 14 catches 107 187 yards and two touchdowns and then today he goes off for 18 215 <laughs> so listen like keenan allen had the best training camp that we've ever seen from him he mm-hmm. was consistently dominant in practice and that has translated into the season you know, there was a lot of offseason narratives about Keenan Allen being washed and Keenan Allen being cooked and they should cut him, they should do this. And Keenan Allen has had three awesome games to start the season. Um, they do not win this game without him playing the way that he did today, especially against, you know, this kind of aggressive defense. It felt like they were it felt like the Vikings were blitzing every single dropback. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you have to have a receiver like Keenan to just consistently, you know, make them pay. And and he did. So uh Big, big uh, tip of the cap to Keenan Allen today. Yeah, impressive, impre- impressive, turn the clock back, wind the clock back kind of performance from him. And again, you could kind of see this coming last season to start the year, but he was out and a half. And then yeah. to close last year, you started to see this, but there's that gap in the middle where there's injuries and you don't believe and he's older and there's you know money involved. So maybe they cut him, et cetera. But you watch him in camp and it was it was clear, and I think both of you and you and I agreed that Keenan Allen had the best camp of anybody at camp. And you know, whatever the narratives were about slot corner, Quinton Johnson, or Edge, or whatever, Keenan Allen's been so consistent. And it's just 
you know, we talked about how this game could be very much so like the Cardinals game last year where it's just got to get the ball, got to get the ball. And they did. And it wasn't pretty. We didn't love watching it all the time, but they did get it done. Again, 40 for 47, 405 yards, three touchdowns, and then another passing one from Keenan. But in that Cardinals game, it required so much of Keenan Allen, especially in the final moments of that game, their final close out to close out that game and get the touchdown against the Cardinals required a huge one from Keenan Allen. This game, it was just every single play. I mean, again, was it 20 targets for Keenan Allen? 18 catches on those 20 targets? Uh, they had no answer. And if, look, you know, I don't know if, gosh, he, st- he even had 11.9 yards per catch with all those targets. Like, that's impressive. Yeah. Uh, God, what a day, man. Like, you know, Keenan Allen is, is my favorite player on the team. I just respect everything about him and what he's done since he entered the league. Um an outstanding charger and I'm happy that he and and Herbert were able to get these records past their own selves and their records. Um, Because I think this is also Justin Herbert's hundredth touchdown. Um, That was to Josh Palmer. Um, I think there was some sort of completions. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I was like, this dude has been balling out of his mind and then he's going to throw a pick and then right to Josh Palmer for the touchdown. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. (laughs) And that was it. Like that, that was the game that there, there's a whole different game in here that didn't happen. <laughs> right. But so many different things between the margins. Um, yeah. Impressive, impressive day from those two. I have nothing else to say about Keenan and Herbert. They were just awesome. Yeah. Just a, a surgical day from Justin Herbert. Uh, S just pointed out the statistics um, 40 of 47, 85% completion percentage. Um, some of that is definitely, you know, the swing passes and things like that. Um, sure. but Benjamin Solak of the Ringer pointed out that that's the best single game completion percentage for any quarterback in NFL history with at least 45 attempts. So pretty, that's pretty good. That is pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just thought I love the way that he was handling the blitz packages, the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this was not a super clean day from the protection unit. I thought there were no, several not. instances of running back issues, tight end issues. Um, there was one moment, you know, at the, in the fourth quarter, where Joshua Kelly ends up trying to block Daniel Hunter and it results in that strip sack. They, yeah. they just, they had, they struggle with it operationally. And this mm-hmm. is something that the Chargers are going to need to correct. But Herbert himself, yeah, just handled the pressure at such a high level. Um, the rollout left on third and 17 and just <sighs> the dot to Keeney illegal over the middle. <laughs> uh, like that was one of the craziest throws. I've ever seen, and it was probably his third best throw of the day. <laughs> like <laughs> Herbert was on one today, and this is the guy that I think. Like there was a lot of you know Herbert's not this, Herbert's not that narratives after the first two weeks. This game is exactly the kind of performance that we expect to see from Justin Herbert in these moments. And you know, again, we w- I would have loved to see him get uh, you know that opportunity to have that first down on the fourth down, but. Mm-hmm. Herbert was excellent all day today. Um, you know, loses Mike Williams, which we can get into here in a second. But mm-hmm. um, you know, the the offense just was so efficient today um, from a passing perspective, and Justin Herbert was just lethal left and right all day today, throwing lasers. So um, all time performance from Keenan Allen, but Justin Herbert was just as good today, in my opinion. Yeah, this was. I disagreed, I think, with Arjun. I think he said that this is the best performance I've seen from Justin Herbert. I I initially disagreed with that, or maybe it was Alex. I can't remember. But the more I think about it, and I don't know if it is or not, 
but I can't remember a game where Herbert had to be this on the entire game and yeah. execute almost perfectly the entire time. Like there are games where he's been good, but maybe it's not as much on him to be perfect or games where he has, he's had to be on all the time, like against the Cardinals, but it was like where they scored 20 points in that game or whatever it was. Um, this game, like every single drop back that wasn't a screen, there was pressure. And it wasn't always even just the offensive line or the protection. Just, yeah. They brought an extra guy. They brought that guy. Yeah. They did everything they possibly could to move Herbert, get to Herbert. And he consistently was able to move up in the pocket, adjust, readjust. Like you said, roll out to the left, throw it 45 degrees the other direction <laughs> in between two defenders and 40 yards that way. Like what on earth is that? There are moments that Justin Herbert can do things like that. Um, we, you and I both expected the offense to be better this game. We both expected the passing offense to be better this game. I didn't see this coming. This is honestly one of the most impressive Herbert performances because the protection wasn't great. The Vikings were doing everything they possibly could to get him. The defense was doing him no favors most of the game. He was he was had to score every drive, and he did. They did, and the Chargers didn't do that. Um, you know, fumbles, etc. But he had to be on because one mistake, even that interception that he almost threw, but like one, yeah. no first down there or whatever that gives the Vikings more time to score at the end or something like he had to be on. And he was the entire game. 40 for 47, 405 yards. I don't remember what rivers had on that day where he has set like the franchise, oh, record the Cardinals. Completions. Mm -hmm. but it, it almost felt like that where it's just every yeah. single play was just completion, 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 completion. And credit to some of these players, like Mike Williams for that catch, for making this possible for Herbert, too. Yeah, I don't know if I would say this is his best game. Like, I mean, you and I were in Las Vegas for that Week 18 game. Yeah. Um, you know, the Browns game from last, from 2021. Um, the Raiders game in Week 1 last year, to me, is a super underrated game of his that I think is is up there. Um, but I think this is was his most consistent game. Like he was dialed in from the jump, mm -hmm. making great decisions and just throwing the ball in crazy moments. The touchdown to Donald Parham at the one yard line, like just Unreal. rocketed that pass in there. And you see Donald Parham on the sideline, like, oh, like I like, you know, he was motioning like that was super hot coming in. Um, so it was, I, I think, most consistent game that we've seen from Justin Herbert, just making great decisions and. This is an instance of of how far he has come as a player when going through these kind of situations. Because we remember, you know, his rookie season against the Dolphins, who were coached by Brian Flores, and mm -hmm. you know the Keenan Allen quote that they had like no idea what the Dolphins were doing, like they just had no answer for yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it's been a few years, right? But like Herbert was so good against the Blitz today. I'm I'm very curious to see what the numbers are from PFF tomorrow about that. Um, but just surgical was great decisions all day long, super consistent. Um, and you pointed out his only turnover worthy play of the day was a touchdown to Joshua Palmer. So <laughs> just that kind of day uh, that Justin Herbert deserved to have because he's been playing at a really high level. And then today it just kind of all came together for him in the offense. Yeah. Uh, amazing. I don't know. It, it felt like more than 28 points. I felt like this offense was able to put up more than that. It was only 28, yeah. but it, impressive, impressive from him. Again, you, we were waiting for the, you know, well, here's why you paid him game, which we knew was on the way. Yeah. But, you know, the offense is still trying to figure things out. And they are still trying to figure things out. Yeah. But I'd say 405 yards passing is a pretty, <laughs> pretty good one. Especially considering, and you, you talk about how far he's come since his rookie season. 
how about since the last time you played the Vikings, where everything yeah. was kind of in disarray and things weren't working out so hot? Yeah. You know, the interception to Eric Kendricks um, flustered that game too. And granted, there were some play calling issues as well um, and some drops, but this is a, a clear step forward from the last time we saw him play the Vikings, though things are very different now. Yeah. Yeah. So really great day from Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen. I think it's a great point to point out that this offense is still learning, trying to figure things out. Um, you know, again, it's, it's an underrated thing, but it takes time to like properly build up protection plans in, in these kind of games. Um, you know, it like, uh, it, it took a minute for the chargers in 2021. And this was with Frank Smith to like really figure out like the protection plans in certain moments. Um, so, I, you know, I have confidence that these issues that the chargers have had over the first few weeks from a protection standpoint, will get, will continue to get ironed out. Um, and, and overall, I think, Again, 28 points. The Chargers are averaging, uh, what's it at now, 29 overall. Like, this this offense is performing at a really, really high level. So, um, you know, I, Justin Herbert deserves a, a ton of respect today, in my opinion, for what he did. I'm doing the math. Okay, so it's 34 week one. <laughs> so, so 28.6 or 28.7. I don't know where they cut it off, but okay, yeah, still pretty darn good. It's not 70 a game, I'll tell you that much. Um, Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> the Broncos got to start over, dude. If they- I, uh, I, uh, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I saw a tweet from one of the national reporters that was like, "Mike McDaniel kneeled it, and he could have taken a field goal, like so classy." I'm like, the man was out with Mike White in the fourth quarter. Like, what? <laughs> Come yeah, on, that was like that was like prime Brian Dable back in the day with the Bills, where it's just like, yes. yeah, we don't care, we do not care. Yes, uh, fifty yeah. is not enough. Um, okay, so we talked about the fourth down decision. We talked about Keenan and and Mike. Um, this is where I want to go next. Um, Tuli, man, like, yep, insane, just an mm-hmm. insane day. And we can talk about some of the other defensive players that stepped up. But is he the best player on the defense right now? Like, is He's that crazy? Like, it's it's been insane to watch him pick things up like this. Um, run stops left and right, setting the edge. Um, put Brian O'Neill on his ass a couple times with the bull rush, like yeah. was in Kirk Cousins' face all day long. Like Tuli Tui Pelotu, I think I was higher on him than most. I did not see these couple games coming. Like this man no, is on an absolute tear right now. Like he is yeah. just wrecking shop at certain mm-hmm. moments. Like the Chargers have something legit here with Tuli Tui Pelotu. Um, the only thing missing, we got to get these broadcasters. A pronunciation <laughs> sheet and mark sanchez went to usc he's a usc guy and <laughs> he's getting true. Tuli's name wrong left and right just yeah, chopping the first that. half of his last name on it out and yeah. just calling him Pelotu. like come on that's the only thing missing right now from Tuli's performances is mm-hmm. the respect of getting his name correct but um yeah have yourself a day again mr Tuli Tuli Pelotu. Yeah, uh, I, I thought of this where I just lost it oh, from Paul Sanchez. I thought the same thing. Uh, probably my next jersey. Yeah, honestly, I thought watching the game, dude, I'm going to get this guy's jersey. And I don't remember the last time I thought about that for a second round pick in his third game and his sort of second start. Um, according to Arjun, Thule had nine pressures on the day. I don't know how much, <laughs> which I don't, and, and that doesn't count for like, a, you know, we're talking about run stops or even like win rate. Nine pressures. This, yeah. like I, I made a joke about this, but the dude probably doesn't even have his horizontal license yet because he just turned 21. <laughs> like they haven't even mailed it. He probably to doesn't. Yet. No, he probably, he probably has a vertical <laughs> license because he's just so young. What he's doing, 
I'm trying to remember the last time I remember it really feels like Derwin James debut the last time a defender on this team had this kind of start to his career and you can even say Joey Bosa because he won defensive rookie of the year but remember he didn't play the first three or four games and then he still won defensive rookie of the year but still we're talking like Thule is the best player on the defense and I, I wouldn't do I think he is overall no has he been that the last two weeks in particular yeah like yeah. nine pressures he's not even starting he's kind of starting but he's not like he's the full-time number he's one rotating number yeah two. <laughs> i mean nine pressures from this guy uh five from khalil mack by the way three from bash fox bosa and i guess scott matlock had three pressures uh nick neiman on the pressure uh nick williams on the pressure uh, with a pressure uh chris rump had zero on 15 pass rushes um We've been now granted very different points in the draft they were taken, right? But you know, we, we've been like, this is the year that Chris Rumpf is gonna break out, and he still might, you know, he's coming back from injury. But then Tui's like, nah, I don't I, I don't need a year, I don't need four years, I just need like 15 yeah. minutes. Um, and then I'm good to go. I mean, the dude has just been rock solid since he walked into the building, and everyone's talked about him this way, you know, so impressed with him. You see Joey Boys saying, I love Tuli to it below too. Like, I yeah. love this kid, he's amazing. But it backed up is incredible. Oh, wow. Okay, so pressures allowed. Do you want to get into the pressures allowed that Arjun or something? Well, I, I still want to say some things about Thule. <laughs> okay, yeah. Have at it. Um, like the way that him and Joey play off of each other is kind of crazy to me. Like the way that they're able to really understand each other's games. And, you know, it, it's very reminiscent of Joey and Melvin Ingram. And I, and I made that comparison, you know, after watching the tape that. Thule would just would remind me so much of what the Chargers were doing with Melvin Ingram back in the day. Um, the way that they just kind of work off is really, really fun to watch. You can tell, like you mentioned, that Joey really loves playing next to Thule. And it's just, it gives them so many different options. Um, you know, of course, the Chargers didn't get a ton of pressure at the end, but um, Overall, like this is a really solid day, you know, and, and I think my concern about like the edge rushers is that you have Derisaw, you have Brian O'Neill, two really, really good offensive tackles and Tuli got both of them on some pressures. You know, there was the spin and in like it was like Tuli, it was like a long arm spin and then O'Neill had a nice kind of like recovery and then Tuli bolt like was able to spin into a bull rush and get home and it was just so so impressive um just like a true veteran edge rusher out there the things that he's doing so um the defense is still a mixed bag but they they have started to figure some things out up front that i think should at least make this defense better than what we saw in week one um so this is it's it's encouraging to see the way that the front is playing right now and honestly it starts with the way that Thule is playing yeah, go figure right i I, mean, I I wasn't sure how much he'd even be playing at this point you know of course you'd hope that joy bosa would be healthy but minor blessing in disguise here right like i don't think we'd know what he could do um in like fuller status yeah. if joy weren't hurt so we have okay Fair. nine from Tuli, five from max of 14 and then another 12 so 26 so 28 pressures today from the chargers defense lead, leading the way uh, of course Tuli to it below too look yeah. I've gotten his name wrong before, of course. I'm also not a, a broadcaster who spends the entire week yeah. remembering how to pronounce these names. Theoretically. So, <laughs> in, yeah, in theory, right? Um, 
yeah, impressive, as impressive as I can remember. I'd have to look at what Joey had his first three games. I know he had two sacks on Derek Carr in his debut, but it was kind of some cleanup. Uh, what what Tooley's doing, I, I, he had nine pressures this game, and I could tell you that he was better against the run maybe. And I don't think I'd yeah. be too far off by saying that. Um, again, we just thought going into this season that he would be like, you know what? They go with edge three, and they have Tooley and, and Chris Rumph out there. At least Tooley's really good against the run. He's really powerful. He's really good against the run. So at least he can do that and be that. Uh, yeah. Nine pressures today against two very good tackles. I, yeah. I'm i at a loss for words with him, honestly. <laughs> you, you mentioned Joey's start to the season. Uh, seven total pressures, two sacks against the Raiders in his debut. Seven pressures against the Broncos in his second game with three quarterback hits. Six pressures against the Falcons wow. and two okay. sacks in his third game. <laughs> Six pressures and four quarterback hits in his fourth game. Yeah, okay, like Joey Bosa was a was a bit different to uh, start the year. Yeah, but still, I mean, man. I mean, let's you're look talking at the four about, starts. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're talking about Tuli having what was it, uh, five and one last week? I think it was. Yeah, PFF gave him credit for two, so I think he was six and two. Okay, so Tuli's Tuli oh. <laughs> officially had three pressures and two sacks last week, which felt low to me. And then initial numbers have him at nine right now today. So listen, man, like Tuli's a player, and like he's he's elevating the floor of this Chargers defense. And you know him and him and Joey just are are really crushing things together right now. Yeah, the defensive line, you know, NFL's was talking about Sebastian Joseph Day quietly having a solid game. I'm glad he was on the field after snapping. Yeah, yeah. Um, walking in the locker room, didn't want to see that. This is a game we were definitely waiting for, and we, we've given a lot of credit to Austin Johnson before the season, but what mm -hmm. he provides, and I think he's still working back from being injured and out for so long. But it's, it's really, again, the front, the, and honestly, even Kenneth Murray to a certain extent, and even a Nick Neiman special at the end there, like, the front seven has really started to start figuring it out. Um, and I will leave it at that. I will say, just say that the front seven has really started Positive. to figure it out. Yes. Yeah. It's more fun to be there live for Los Angeles Chargers football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Los Angeles Chargers and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if you change your plans, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash chargers. Hey, what's up, everybody? Want to take a quick second to talk to you about our sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you simply have to pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Tyler and I have had a ton of fun using the app. It's super easy to use. You simply pick your favorite players that you think are going to have a big week, i.e. Keenan Allen against the Tennessee Titans in week two. Or maybe it's a bad week, i.e. Kirk Cousins against the Philadelphia Eagles. You make those selections, you pick more than or less than on those statistics. Again, two to six player stat projections 
and you can simply watch the money roll in. Price Picks also offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday during the NBA season, if that's more of your jam. And again, you can use Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits as well. Super user-friendly. We've loved using the app, and we cannot recommend them enough. Uh, simply go to prizepicks.com guilty and use the code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. Thanks for supporting the show. Bolt up. Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's been fun. Kenneth Murray, that's another one too, man. He had some really, really good moments today. Mm -hmm. Um, couple just like really crucial run stops. Um, the one at the goal line really saved them at that moment. You know, that was really the one that yeah. I think was his best play of the day. Um, kind of crazy to see him start like way back and then he just shot that gap as a great play. Mm -hmm. A couple other really good big hits, but the interception was about Nick Neiman. I know Kenneth Murray gets it, but Nick Neiman is the one who made that play on the ball. And then JT Woods tipped it, tip drill and credit to Kenneth for coming down with that interception. But mm -hmm. um, a good day from Kenneth, a good day from Alohi Gilman for the most part as well. Um, should have had two forced fumbles. Um, still maintain oh that gosh. that goal line <laughs> stop should have been a goal line stop. Um, mm -hmm. Just a ridiculous sequence from the officiating crew, in my opinion. Um, so some key performances from those two players, um, you know, this defense is, is going to be in a, in a tough spot without Derwin potentially for the next few weeks. Um, the cornerback issues continue to plague them. Um, but for the most part, again, like if the front is playing well, like that's the best way to, to help out a, a suspect secondary is that you can get pressure and get home on, on Kirk cousins and things like that. And, and they were able to do that today. Yeah, impressive from uh, Alohi Gilman today. I don't know what it looked like in coverage overall, but again, if you're not, if the defense isn't going to be great and shut down, at least for some turnovers, and I almost had three. Um, I wish we had got one more look at the the um, non-interception, forced first, first forced fumble, fantastic, of course, ripped that ball away, very yep. much so Khalil Mack-esque there. Again, should have had a second one. I've never seen Ford Progress stopped instantly before. 
if that were how games were called, then no one would ever have yards after a contact. Um, and I, watching the rest of the game, I couldn't tell anymore what it meant to stop forward progress versus not. Yeah. Could, could they have stopped it at Gerald Everett when he picked up more yards for the first down or when I forget which receiver. Oh, the receiver that caught it, Michael Davis tackled him inbounds. Maybe that was Hawkinson. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know anymore. That was a BS call. <laughs> don't understand it. The whole internet agreed. No idea what happened there. Um, but then, yeah, Lohi Gilman, solid game. Good hit on Hawkinson on that final drive that jarred the ball yep. loose. Um, really, really solid there. The, the Chargers weren't tackling really well today, but they were hitting harder, I feel like, than I remember them before. Yeah, it felt more physical overall. Um, you know, th- that play, like, if you watch the broadcast of it back, like, the, there's no whistle until after the ball comes out. Like, the ref literally threw the, the beanbag to indicate that it was a fumble. Like, it was just so confusing that they came to that conclusion because that's not what happened on the field. Um, we'll get to a couple couple super chats. We'll touch on some other things. Frankie Sanchez, Kenneth Murray legacy pick season is alive. Uh, let's ride boys. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> season is alive again. Uh, and three is basically a death sentence. will be very interesting to see what the Vikings do from their perspective after today. Um, but the Chargers are one and two. You have a game against the Raiders. If you're two and two at the bye, you feel better about your chances heading into that tough stretch after the bye. So very much alive after today. Um, Brian says, why not play QJ? Mike Williams was out and he still couldn't get on the field. What'd you make of him today? Again, had the two screen touches, I guess you want to call them two receptions, 10 yards. But um, what do you make of the way Quentin Johnson was used today? I don't know if it was a whole lot different than before. I feel like there are many plays where like, Ooh, look at the really good play to Keenan Allen. And there's Quentin Johnson running really far down the field. So in some instances that kind of feels familiar. It was encouraging to at least see him get two screens. One particular that went for a first down. Great. And I, I got very excited. I saw he got them like, yeah, he's going to go for 50 <laughs> yards. And he got seven. Same. And a first Brooke was down. like, why are you so happy with that? It was like five yeah. yards. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we'll see why him not, you know, why not him when Mike Williams is out? I don't know. I'd have to look at what they did do when Mike Williams was out. How, what did Quentin Johnson do? Um, I think Arjun says that Johnson had 13 snaps. So there's three more. Um, I, I, I call that a 33% improvement is what I'm seeing from last week. So he, he's getting there, but again, I, I don't know. We'll see um Darius Davis did get on the field first so I was, I was worried but they they you know they got Johnson the football and they got Isaiah Spiller the football uh more than they did last week which was I just don't remember seeing play. Elijah Dotson very much at all uh I yeah I don't have Elijah Dotson in on the field at all to my memory and then Isaiah Spiller with the two carries Dotson with none um but yeah Spiller I don't know if we want to we want to get into this at this point because we're still going through super chats but um, up and down day. Yeah, up and down day. I, I, I will say regarding Quentin Johnston, he's going to play a whole lot more now. I I don't know what the yeah. situation is with Mike Williams. Um, I'm hoping for the best, obviously, for him. Um, I, I, I felt like watching that play live that it was going to be like a head injury because I felt like Harrison Phillips led with his head and, and hit Keenan or hit Mike like right in his in the crown of his helmet. And then to see that it was the knee and seeing that he was not able to really put much weight on it, the cart, it's just, it's a brutal situation. You know, 
people are going to talk about how like, oh, like this is typical Mike Williams. Like he can't stay healthy. This is like a freak injury. And mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that this isn't like worst case scenario for Mike because he's been playing so well. Um, but Quentin's going to play now. Like he's going to be the X receiver in this offense as long as Mike Williams is out because that's not Joshua Palmer's best role. It's not Keenan's role. Like Quentin is going to play now. Like he's going to get meaningful snaps. He's going to get a lot more targets. And this is the situation that we talked about. Like there was a lot of, you know, hype around like Quentin Johnston being like potentially rookie of the year and things like that in the summer before training camp started. And it was always like, well, he's behind all these guys. Well, now he's, he's one of the guys like he is going to be on the field more often. He's going to be getting a different kind of role and we'll see if he's up for the task. I think he will be. I think he's going to have some good moments. I think the relationship and the rapport between Justin and Quentin is going to continue to improve. Um, And I think that he's going to have some really good moments from here on out. So it's unfortunate that this is the circumstances that have to happen for Quentin to get on the field, but Mm -hmm. they don't have a choice now. Like he's going to be on the field. Like there, there is no other option for Mike Williams replacement. It is Quentin Johnston. I won't say these two had the exact same training camp, but there was some, if Chris run for healthy, I don't know that we would have seen Thule play as much in week one. And then if Joey were healthy, how much would we see Thule play at all? And sure. kind of forcing their hand that way has allowed them to see what they really do have in someone like Thule, who, again, I didn't see this coming at all. <laughs> and now you have the opportunity to, your hand is forced. John Quentin Johnson is playing. He's now, <laughs> I'm assuming Darius Davis isn't wide receiver three. But I'm assuming Quentin Johnson no. at this point would be wide receiver three. And I think that this injury in particular uh, does allow Johnson on the field more than someone like Keenan, because I think that you just kind of slide a little bit of Darius Davis, a little bit of Josh Palmer there. Um, this is what they've been using him as. We're a bit frustrated with his usage because of the yak and what we thought he could do there. They've been developing him more as that outside guy, like that X guy, like you, you mentioned. So, yeah, this is there's no more excuses at this point i don't envision the raiders defense being that good next week either so this would be a very good you know home at sofi show us what you got kind of moment and what can you do you know there's you need to be the x factor that mike williams is you know whether mike williams is great or inconsistent or whatever you want to label him he does have that x factor that johnson has just in a slightly different way but they've been using him as an x so what can he do now in this role um and unfortunately we'll see what the mike williams injury is i can't imagine he's back anytime soon if at all unfortunately that means we're going to miss the at arrowhead mike williams game and we're gonna we're gonna need someone like quentin johnson to step up and be that for them yeah like best case scenario you're talking about like some kind of knee sprain and Mm -hmm. maybe after the bye week mike is able to kind of you know play through some things but it, it didn't look good. And Mike Williams has healed from things fast in the past. <laughs> that is a thing too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, it, it just makes me a little nervous to and frustrated that this is the way that Quentin Johnson has to get the ball. But um, hopefully Mike Williams was is okay. And um, we'll see how that goes. Um, appreciate the super chats as always from uh, Tyler's parents. We got uh, Mama Shun in here saying that she's also about to win $100 on prize picks. She would. Um, she would. That is. That seems like her her luck as well. Um, so appreciate her using the uh, the connection there. Hopefully, you guys also won some money on Prize Picks uh, this week. Um, and then Tyler's dad also gave a super chat. Your mom's going to the Raiders game with you guys, so that should be fun. We'll have two Chargers fans in the stands. <laughs> Woohoo! Or three and a, two and a half, I guess. 
Yeah, whatever you want to count my dad as. But yes, <laughs> two and a half. Uh, and then a super uh, super sticker from Bex. Appreciate that. It's my sister. Um, oh, all right. There we go. Shun family showing out today. Yeah. All right, Tyler. Uh, where do you want to head next here? Uh, well, I think we got to talk about the secondary, which is the next. I mean, again, you talked about how JC was like the fifth story that we could talk about today. I think we're on the fifth yeah. story. So JC Jackson being a healthy scratch. First, we saw inactive from, I think, Daniel Popper. And it's like, okay, you know, we've sort of seen this, not as a surprise, but JC, you know, has a surgery, plays, doesn't play. Ah, got to get him inactive, get ready for, you know, the buyer or whatever. Maybe it's not responding. But then the reports came out that it's a healthy inactive. And <laughs> I, I really don't know what to make of it. At, at the time, you know, real time at the moment when we found out, it's like, why this game? And why after last game, um, you know, I don't recall him being bad against the Titans and statistically only allowed 19 yards. So what happened? And I, I understand if you say that, you know, Zant should be a starter and Davis should be a starter. I kind of get that. That's fine. I just don't know if then Jaw was the guy that I thought they would roll with and then bench JC entirely. Um, a surprise there. I don't know that the secondary played any better without him out there. And I don't really think Jaw in particular had um, a great game. And we're thankful that Kirk Cousins missed whoever it was on like the out and up or whatever it was towards the end of the game. Osborne. Um, yeah. yeah, Osborne. So I don't know, man. We'll see. The, the thing about this is that I, I can't even make really any big sweeping judgments on this because the following week is going to be, well, Hey, look, JC's active and, and Michael Davis is inactive. Like, would that even surprise any of us? No, because yeah. the, it's been so inconsistent. So I can't even really make be making some sweeping guess on, on what's going on here. But uh, unfortunate. And I, again, I don't, I don't know why he was benched in particular in this game. That just doesn't quite make sense to me. And because nobody's been good, I think Zant was better today. I think he was the best corner on the field today. But up until that point, I don't know that anyone was so good that, yeah, let's let's bench JC and roll with these three. Yeah. So according to Jeff Miller, uh, Staley said after the game that the decision on, on JC Jackson was made because he felt this group of defense backs gave the Chargers their best chance to win today. Um, and then I guess there was a follow-up question about if JC had the chance to work his way back into the rotation. And Staley said that is to be determined, which is his uh, go-to... <laughs> Go to statement of this season. He's that's to be determined is is like the thing this year. Um, it it is puzzling. Like I thought that he was fine against the Titans. I don't think he was good. I don't think he was bad. Um, they didn't really test him very much. You know, the big plays right. were were against uh, Michael Davis and Asante. Um, but it's not like Michael Davis has been playing really well. I mean, Michael Davis had. A pretty rough day against the Dolphins. He had a pretty rough day against the Titans, and he had three or four penalties today. Um, some good moments for sure, like the tackle on Hawkinson was a good play. He had a couple, um, you know, plays on the football, but it's not like Michael Davis is playing great right now. And maybe that's something that he can find his form again. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's bad in the secondary right now. Um, Jasir Taylor got beat a couple times. He did have some good moments in the run game, but. You know, J.C. Jackson, I, I I don't know. There's a lot of narratives being thrown out there today. A lot of people trying to 
declare his season over and things like that. I think you just got to work through this and hope that he's able to get back to his former self. At this point, I, I do kind of wish that they had just started him out on the pup list, that he had just been able yeah. to give have a really long leash to work his way back. And and they had waited until like after the bye week to see what they had with him. Because it just I don't love the way that this was set up. You know, his first game back from injury, he's isolated against Tyree Kill for 80% of the game. Like, how is that effectively bringing him back? And then two weeks later, he's a healthy scratch. So I understand that JC has not performed well, but I don't feel like the Chargers have really set him up for success either. And now we're in this situation where you have four cornerbacks on the roster and they're all kind of struggling at certain things. You know, you don't really have one guy who's like your, your hallmark corner that you had last year with Michael Davis. Um, it's just, it's a frustrating situation. And, and if this is what it needs to get these guys, you know, gelling together and, and being a cohesive unit, then that, that sucks that you have to, uh, you know, bench your $85 million cornerback so that your other cornerbacks can play better. It's just, it's a lose-lose situation all around, and and I hate that this is where we're at. It's it's puzzling, and then we've talked about this for three weeks now, and it feels like even so heading into this game and after this game, the DBs just are not, the corners, I should say, I've not been put in a position where I feel like they can be successful, um, and I don't even think the Chargers knew what they were doing with JC in the situation. Like, if, again, like you, said, you mentioned, Tyreek Hill, like they had him cover Tyreek Hill, by himself for an entire game like you're good enough to assume that this player coming off an injury you have not seen him on the field he has not really even finished practice but that's the guy you're going to go send out there to cover Tyree Kill on so many different plays okay and then two weeks later you're you're he's an inactive he's not good enough to even be on the field against Jefferson Addison Osborne Hawkinson these guys but then like what was the plan because you didn't sign a corner you didn't draft a corner. This yeah. like Michael Davis does not have an extension. It's not like you've been settled in with Zant and Michael Davis at this point. And so you had no other plan. But so you, then you put out JC in week one and play so many snaps. And then two weeks later, he's inactive. This yeah. guy's the start of that guy. Like it's just a whole mess in the secondary. I don't understand why these rotations are the way that they are. Um, again, I, I hope moving forward, if this is it then this is it. And if somebody gets hurt, maybe JC's active or something, but I don't know. I, I can't for the life of me figure out what is going on in the secondary. And again, I expect that something different will happen next week where, I don't know, Zont is benched for some reason because they really want JC for something. I don't know, but nothing makes any sense to me and it's yeah. not working right now. Yeah. And again, like if the other guys were all playing super, super well and like JC just like does not look like himself, like I, sure. I get it at that point. Mm -hmm. But it's again, it's not like Davis and Asante are playing super great. Just here, Taylor's really struggled in pass coverage. Um, it's just, I, I don't know how this helps JC get back on track. And they need him to get back on track. Like they need this guy to be out there. He's really their only long term asset that they have at the cornerback position. Um, so this is, this puts the Chargers in a tough spot. Again, four cornerbacks that were active today. You know, if one of those guys gets gets injured, um, like, you know, it, it just puts the Chargers in, Chargers in, in such a tough spot from a death perspective. 
Um, I understand, again, that JC wasn't playing great before the ruptured patella tendon, you know, but this has been just kind of a disaster for him from a health perspective. You know, you have the random ankle injury surgery, um, and then he comes back too early, and then he, you know, relapses from that, and then he gets the torn patella tendon, and maybe he came back too early from this too. Like, it's it's just a terrible situation. I feel for him because it just has to be demoralizing to have these kind of things happening when you're coming back from an injury. You play against Tyree Kill. They ask you to match up with him one-on-one for most of the game, and now you're inactive two weeks later. It's just it's frustrating to watch as somebody who went through that same kind of injury. And, and I know how difficult that injury is to come back from. I just, I feel like he's being set up to fail and not to say that he deserves these opportunities by any means from his play, mm-hmm. but it's just, I feel bad for the guy. And I know that he, the charger secondary has not been great. And I know JC has not been great, but I just feel bad for the guy. Yeah. It's, it's, a combination of everything. I don't remember, like even with some players who are busts after being drafted or as free agents, there's always like kind of the one thing, but there never seems to be four different things that are going on. Injuries, coaching, rotations, another injury. Like dude had an extra growth bone in his foot. Like what on earth? But then the way they're using him, I don't know. The, the one thing I do want to push back on, I don't mean to single out Jacob in particular, but it's the most recent one I've seen. It's not that JC Jackson does not care about the team. I can't imagine, given all that he did this offseason to get back to begin with, is about him not caring about the team or that he just wants to take the money and sit. That's very much so like a Jared Gaither situation back in the day where that was one of the most colossal free agent busts I can remember. Not free agent, extension busts I can remember. JC wanted to be out there. He said as much. He promised he would be out there. He was out there. And then they made him cover Tyree Kill for a game. And then they benched him two weeks later. I don't know what's going on. And I don't know if we'll ever know. Again, I don't know if we'll ever know. But hopefully these guys, these this trio, this is your trio. Hopefully Michael Davis gets what he wants. Whereas I'm going to find a rhythm and I'll get to be out there and we'll get better. Yeah. Anyone who thinks that JC doesn't care is, is it's a ridiculous narrative. It's a ridiculous thing to say of somebody who goes through this kind of injury that has such a low recovery rate for professional athletes for him to be out there in week one it takes a ton of time rehab and guts and passion to come out for these kind of moments and yes again i get it he has not played super well but you don't go through that kind of recovery in nine months or whatever it was if you don't care about the team if you don't care about your ability to get back out on the field Rehab from that injury is so extensive and so brutal that questioning his heart, his desire, to me is ridiculous. If you think that J.C. Jackson does not care, you haven't been in his kind of shoes. You haven't been in that kind of moment where he is going through this rehab process. Again, this this specific injury has the lowest rate of recovery for NFL players of any other knee injury. So to question his kind of work ethic um, is ridiculous to me. Kevin just pointed out he's from Florida. He spent the entire offseason in Los Angeles so he could rehab mm. from this injury. So if you want to separate like what he's played on the field, I get it. To question 
his pride to question his desire to play is a ridiculous statement to me. And anybody who is saying this kind of and pushing this kind of narrative does not deserve to be in this chat right now. Like that makes me so upset that people would come in here and talk about JC Jackson not caring about the team and not caring and not having passion when this kind of injury is so difficult to come back from. JC absolutely cares. He absolutely has passion for this team. He absolutely wants to be out there. And I'm sorry for getting mad about this, but that really set me off. Like JC Jackson is 100% into this team and he is 100% trying to get back on this field, trying to get back to his former self. It's a brutal injury to come back from. So I, I, this is not how I wanted to end this show today, but that really set me off. I can't say much more than that, Stephen. That was a very strong stream of consciousness there, and I completely understand your frustrations. I share your frustrations. I think a lot of people in the chat, I think most fans do share your frustrations. Is There's a lot to be said about the play or the rotations or the disappointment or the contract or whatever, but it is not about J.C. Jackson's character from anything that I can tell at least. If there's more that I don't know, fine. But from my outside perspective looking in, there's nothing that suggests that it's not about, that, that it is about him not caring. Um, I'm happy to find other positive things to talk about though to close out the show. We, I think we have a couple of, uh, couple of uh, we have one more super chat here. We can, well, that's kind of negative, but you know, it's at least not J.C. Jackson. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I get it. I, I understand the frustration. I'm upset about the situation too, but I'm not about questioning players' characters right now. <laughs> that was pretty much the equivalent of an LDS punch in the face. <laughs> That's the funniest thing. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trust me, I wanted to say some cuss words. I, I held back, but yeah, it was impressive. It was impressive. It was impressive. And again, it, it, we single out the single person. There's a lot of takes on social media yeah. um, related to that. Yeah, Facebook was brutal this morning to to go look at that after the inactives came out so i can only imagine um, i can only imagine all right um yeah we're I, i'm really excited to watch the, the film of this game mm -hmm. um one thing I, I think we should point out is the pass protection issues that you wanted to dig into earlier mm -hmm. um arjun sent the numbers and it does seem like a lot of running back and tight end issues from today um, according to the early numbers that Arjun sent us, Corey Lindsley allowed two pressures, Slater one pressure. So shame on him for allowing one pressure in two consecutive weeks. Um, Pipkins, Johnson, Sawyer, zero pressures. According to uh, these early numbers, Joshua Kelly with three allowed pressures and Isaiah Spiller with two. So um, again, this kind of situation is, is a game where you definitely felt Austin Eckler and, and his absence today. Yeah, that's uh, not great. And I don't know if that you could just roll in Elijah Dotson and feel better about that situation either in terms of pass protection. So that's something they have to get worked out because other teams are going to see that. And teams like the Dallas Cowboys are a lot better on defense um, and can do a lot more. So we'll see. They have a bye to figure it out. Um, we'll see how long Eckler's even out for. Hopefully it's not a significantly long absence, but it does feel post by return to me. If it is longer than that, I would consider bringing in a free agent. I don't know who's still available, but you need someone who can be a bit more reliable in, in pass protection. You can't get to the point where it's multiple sacks. I mean, Herbert, if he were, I don't know, Philip Rivers, and I, don't know, I guess Rivers can move in the pocket, 
But if you were someone a bit more immobile, that's that's three, four more sacks that probably should have been picked up. And you can't just run this offense, pray Keenan gets open every time, which it, he did today. But that, <laughs> that's not that's not consistent. You can't rely on that. So hopefully they get that worked out. Yeah. Yeah. As um, I think it was Todd. Uh, yeah. Todd pointed out the Chargers forced eight hmm. incompletions today. Um, Asante Samuel with three and Jasir Taylor with two. So that's a that's a positive yeah. from them um you know they did allow 36 receptions but uh yeah it was a tough spot for them to be in today i would have liked to see maybe a little bit more safety help um mm -hmm. so maybe this is a, a step in the right direction for asante getting him right um because the team certainly needs that mm -hmm. request arjun as we speak <laughs> all right tyler anything else you want to hit on before we uh head out of here um a couple of people have mentioned the, the run game. I, I think I'll have to just rewatch the game and figure out what happened. Credit yeah. to the Vikings. You know, part of that is defense. And the Vikings played really well. There was nowhere to go. So that'll hopefully be something that gets, sort, that gets sorted out. Um, the Chargers are certainly going to fall back towards the middle more after not being so great at the run today. But the pass game is up. And so I don't really have much else to add at this point other than they won. I will pick them to win next week. And... <laughs> And God bless the Chargers of the two weeks after that. Yeah, I um, the running in, they ran into eight man boxes. I feel like a lot, which you know I would have loved to see some more creative runs to try and get them going. Um, you know, the Mark Sanchez was talking about all these screens and swing passes are kind of an extension of the run game, mm -hmm. but this is kind of the game plan that you needed against uh, the Vikings defense. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, running back protection wise, I think if Eckler is continuing getting, if, if Eckler is going to continue being out, I think you, you probably do need to address that spot a little bit. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Tyler and I will have more on the chargers channel on Wednesday. Uh, really excited to go back and watch this film and see some things, uh, that we didn't see. Um, that's always such a, an enlightening experience for me. I love watching the tape back of these kind of games. So, should be a lot of fun. Chargers are one and two, still alive in the AFC. Hopefully two and two after next week and getting back on the right track for the Chargers this year. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. Appreciate all of the comments, super chats. Um, it's been fun today. Good turnout. And uh, we'll see you next time. As always, bolt up.